Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another exciting episode of uh, SFP Now. Um, on this show, we have um, a cracking interview with none other than Mr. Ketch himself, um, David Hayden Jones, um, who fans will know as Mr. Ketch from, from Supernatural. Um, and later on the show, we have Raisa on, who's going to be doing a TV talk segment with, with us. But first, the interview. Um, I've been looking forward to sort of sharing this one with you, so here it is, David Hayden Jones. I'd like to welcome a very special guest to the show this week. We have uh, David Hayden Jones, otherwise known as the mysterious, the deadly, the sociopathic, the Mr. Ketch from Supernatural. <laughs> I almost said Mr. Ketchup then. Yeah, I, oh my God, the puns have been running fast and furious on set, man. You name it, we've probably done it. Okay, well, uh, the first question I got really is um, the one that I ask um, everyone really that, that that's involved in acting is, uh, how did you get into acting and, and what, what was the appeal of, of acting for you? Well, my mum and dad were um, very into theatre and dance and the arts and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I think my first genesis was I was six. I had my first... Uh, community play and um, I had two lines I think and it was Wally from Our Town I don't know if you're familiar with the play or if your Mm -hmm. listeners are but um, that was sort of it really and then I got uh, my first job at 15 as a singer and dancer at an amusement park and um, all my other friends were sort of either working retail or flipping burgers and I was sort of you know dancing with all these nice nubile young ladies and uh, I was like oh this kind of works for me I think I'll uh, I think I'll do this yeah it's certainly better than flipping burgers <laughs> <laughs> well it didn't uh, it didn't suck let's just put it that way it's a good time yeah it's, it's probably the reason I, I picked up a guitar about four years ago um, just so I could get picked up by young nubile ladies <laughs> I'll tell you listen there's something to be said there's something to be said to have good uh, art game mm-hmm yeah, I mean, you know, something to be said about having a guitar. You don't even have to know how to play it. You just carry one around on your back in the street and you get all these smiling women at you. <laughs> Sling it around your back and just sort of, you know. You know, stick a trilby hat on, look cool, some leather, you know, you're sorted. <laughs> well, that, I, I got to say, I, that is my big one regret, that I never uh, picked up the guitar. I, I played the uh, trumpet instead, which does not get you chicks. 
Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I play piano too, so. <laughs> yeah, I play piano. Piano gets you close to the way, but you can't take the piano around with you around the campfire, you know? You mm-hmm. got to have the campfire game, and you have that with a guitar. Uh-huh. Okay, well, uh, a, a few magazines and so forth have actually compared you to Cary Grant, uh, which is a pretty big compliment given the career that he had. Um, now, if you had a chance to star in a remake of Cary Grant Classic, uh, what, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, well, first of all, uh, that is uh, an incredibly um, uh, kind and overreaching, probably, compliment for me from whoever said that somewhere on the Internet. Um, <laughs> um, I would love to have done um, one, of his, one of his thrillers with... Uh, um, you know, uh, what, what's am I thinking? North by Northwest. I yeah, I think you probably are. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I'm thinking um, North by Northwest or something along that lines with with one of his uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies. I yeah. think would have been amazing. I think he did To Catch a Thief as well, didn't he? Yeah, To Catch a Thief. That's right. Um, huh. Yeah, I mean, so I'm having... I mean, just one of those. Just I mean. Obviously, uh, cinema has changed so much, and uh, you know, and careers in the acting profession has changed so much. But there is something beautiful about that sort of uh, era of cinema, you know, like late fifties, early sixties, um, and just the suits and the class and the debonairness and all that sort of stuff. So, obviously, that is, I, I'm, I am not comparing myself to Cary Grant at all. However, uh, I will say though. I love the idea that catches a bit of a throwback to that mm-hmm. era, a bit of a dandy, if you will. Cool. Well, I actually, um, I don't, I don't know where I read it. I just picked it up somewhere on the internet. It was some, I think it was an internet blog or something, and and they were kind of comparing you to Cary Grant, and I thought, hmm, okay. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you know, we don't believe everything we hear on the internet, as we know. <laughs> the internet has barely worked for us today. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm looking at your IMDb, you've done done a good mix of romantic leads as well as uh, roles in shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and such. Do you do you have a preference when it comes to the various roles that you take on? You know what do you want I for? Yeah, go ahead. Um, no, I. You know what? I, I'm not being cheeky here when I say this. Um, uh, every job is the best new job, if that makes sense. So if, I don't mm-hmm. know if you know a lot of actors personally, or I mean, I'm sure you've interviewed a lot of them. Um, I never try to judge the role or the material. What I try to do is just because one is fortunate enough just to be working in this industry, even with how it's changed radically in the last ten years. Um, you always, uh, I'm sort of like more the, you know, I talk to my British friend actors uh, when I get over there and, they, you know, there's more of a sense of a journeyman career in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. You know, you know, do a play, do a commercial, do a short film, do a film, film. There's no judgment on the work. You just kind of keep working. Um, uh, sometimes in Hollywood, you sort of always framing it for what's it going to do to my brand or my career and I think I definitely work more uh, English in that way which is just sort of be a journeyman and just try to invest and not judge each role and you know obviously some scripts will be better than others but just happy to be working and work begets work mm-hmm. yes that's, 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 that's a pretty good philosophy because he's probably is many actors um, in in Hollywood that are busting bars and and, and whatnot than there are those that are actually actively oh, working. gracious, yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the SAG statistics on actual actors working percentage at any given time is so minuscule, right? Compa- mm-hmm. And 
with social media in the last six to seven years really exploding and celebrity being a new career, if that makes sense, being famous as sort of a new career is the goal. Uh-huh. Um, that's very different than acting, right? Yeah. I mean, you can, act, you can actually have a job as a celebrity and that job interests me nothing. <laughs> If that makes sense. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. I'd agree with you there. I'd rather be, you know, paid and well well respected for actually being good at something, as opposed to song like just being being a celebrity. Yeah, well, meritocracy and a craft, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, you know, if you're good, you get your rewards. If you if you you know not so good, you just keep trying. <laughs> well, that, yeah, no, well, and, and that's exactly it. Sort of just um, keep. Uh, my whole goal was to. A, B, make my living as an actor, which I rolled over like 10 years ago, and I thought that was, I've made it, right? I would also say that so many people think they know how a project is going to go, and they never know. I mean, I've had stuff that I thought was going to be, you know, terrible and actually become quite popular with people, and other stuff I thought for sure was going to do something well for my career, and it got buried, it got tanked. It didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. For a myriad of reasons. And you see that with, you know, famous directors and actors. I mean, there's so many ways a project can go wrong from start to finish. No one really knows what's going to catch the public. So to try to imagine that the next job is going to be the job is such a waste of energy, really. Uh, exactly. Um, I mean, a role that you've, uh, you've, you've recently landed, um, and it's, it's a great recurring role from, from what I've heard and the little I've seen of it so far, is you've now got the role of uh, Mr. Ketch on Super, Supernatural, who is sort of an agent of the Men of Netters. Uh, how did you come to get this role, and what can you actually tell us about him? Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of spoilers and mystery surrounding the guy. Um, uh, it is, I will say this, it is in an absolute joy of a role to play. Talk about a role that I'm just delighted to be living in and playing in right now. Um, I auditioned for like anyone else. Uh, I had um, three auditions, and uh, it's interesting, the evolution of the guy as well. Um, so my, half of my family is British, and my mom's American, and, and they my folks got married in London. And so I have this sort of UK contingency on one side of my family. And uh, so when I went into the audition, they'd been described in this assassin and uh, riding a motorcycle. So I went in sort of with this estuary you know, bruiser, you know, accent sort of disheveled and, and in my leather jacket and stuff like that. And, um, they, they liked what they saw in energy wise. And then they said, well, we flipped him. We've made him more Roger Moore, John James Bond. So we want a more received pronunciation and posh. And so I was like my uncle Dave, who went to public school, uh, is just beyond posh. So I was like, well, I, I know that guy a little bit. So what if I could blend my Uncle Dave with uh, sort of what I call the butler assassin? So that sort of was the genesis. And then I had two more callbacks. Cool. And then I didn't hear anything for a month. And then off to the races. Oh, cool. What do you believe actually drives Mr. Ketch as a character? Um, he loves to hunt. He's definitely um, hunter in terms of the, the realm of that world. He's very similar to Dean that way. He's driven to it. It's in his primal DNA, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then also he's bound by duty and loyalty. So he's also very um, uh, loyal to the cause, which which is kind of fun. Andrew Dabb has said they, the, uh, the British men of letters are treating it more as um, taking on terrorism throughout the world, which I think is a very nice metaphor mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, I must thank uh, somebody very quickly for helping with these questions. Uh, my friend Patrick Hayes, who's a ma- massive fan of Supernatural, is basically, you know, he does the reviews for us on, on the website now and again. He helped me come up with these because um, he's a little bit further along. I've only seen the first four episodes so far. Okay, so there's uh, the reveal has yet to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, fun. I think I did catch a quick glimpse of you on the motorcycle in about the third episode. Yes. Uh, That's right. They've been teasing it out very well. They've been they they the the mid season finale was uh, when you actually got to see my entrance, and uh, that seemed to cause a bit of a stir, which I'm pleased about. Really fun. Really mm-hmm. good fun. Well, much like the old style Bond, uh, Ketch has a hang of a lot of gadgets in the trunk of his car. Now, out of all of those gadgets, what one would you most like to see him use in future episodes? Oh, well, goodness. So he only reveals two in the first, his first big reveal. But that is a running theme with Ketch. He, has, he, he always has a new toy every episode or one he's sort of trying out. And so I, I really think there's a bit of he's a bit of a, a weapon fetishist, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I think every new toy is the best new toy, if, uh, if you get my meaning. And uh, there's a few a few new ones coming. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's kind of like going to be a cross between Roger Moore and Brosnan's James Bond before Brosnan's Yeah, James yeah exactly Bond. right. And sort of like he's, he's Q and Bond rolled into one and then also talks about his... Uh, the team, which are, um, you know, half metaphysical, half, you know, engineers. So it's quite fun. Wow. Um, if it came down to it, do you think Mr. Ketch could take out Mr. Davis? Um, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one, sir. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured that one might be potentially spoiled. No, no, no I've, I've said nothing. <laughs> you know nothing, I've said nothing. Yeah. Don't make me come over there with my weapons, my toys, because I will. I know where you live now. Okay, well, here's another one, um, and uh, you might have to plead fifth on as well. Uh, who do you think would give Ketch the most difficulty in a straight-up knock, knock, knock-down brawl, Sam or Dean? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, i got to go with Sam, because he's got the height. Dean and I are about the same size and the same, uh, you know, weight class. So uh, Sam, Sam has got the reach and the height. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't want to mess with Sam either because Sam's also got a bit of psychic ability. Um, in the That's right. In the past uh, episodes, I've seen. Um, Ketch has actually been built up to be a very bad man. Uh, is he someone that you could actually see yourself hanging out with? <laughs> um, well, as long as he's buying the drinks and driving me around in the car, I could be like, well, I could, you know, maybe I could hang out with him as long as I'm on his good side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I think he's, you know, everyone says he's being teed up to be the villain, but I think there could be a lot more nuance in this guy than we think, and possibly even redemption should the writers choose to go that way. Mm-hmm. He he has many masks and many strategies. So even though he's a true believer and he likes to hunt, he obviously doesn't think he's evil. So when people throw around this word sociopath, um, that's all in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a strange one, you know. Some some people accuse me of having no empathy, but there you go. Question <laughs> <laughs> for Ian. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I should. I should audition to be Mr. Catch, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, maybe he has a brother. Who knows? Mm-hmm. See what we can do. Uh, Mr. Up. 
Okay, uh, in, in the series, uh, Ketch seems to be wanting to help Sam and Dean. Why do you think he's so fixated with them? Well, he personally isn't. In his own language that's been revealed, and I know you haven't caught up to the present and the UK audience hasn't, because I think you guys are... You know, four or three months behind, something like that, what we are. Yeah. Um, he says, so this is not a spoiler, he he doesn't care one way or the other. He's just sort of, he's not an ideologue. He, he's been told by his high, higher ups to do this. He is simply executing a task from the, uh, the older men who run the British Men of Letters. So he's a loyal soldier and he, he does as he's told. Mm-hmm. So, by Mick as well. Mick is technically his, uh, is his boss. So, so he's basically just following orders. <laughs> He, you know, just like Bond technically does, you know, from time to time. We'll, it'll be interesting to see if and when uh, Ketch goes off uh, the farm or wh- whatever that expression is. What is it? <laughs> goes, uh, it's, Bob, yeah, it's an American phrase. Um, but we'll just see how long Ketch, you know, stays loyal to the team, to Sam and Dean. And uh, I think he's got a lot of angles, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, moving on from the uh, supernatural stuff, I noticed that you had a brief role in the uh, film White House Down, which uh, starred Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx. Did you get to spend time with any of those guys while while on the set of the film? I didn't. Uh, I was alone in my trailer a lot for that, and what was interesting about that, because I was sort of a reporter that was covering all the chaos outside the actual White House, so I basically did eight days of just improv wall-to-wall of me just sort of pretending I was watching all these imaginary explosions. Although, to be fair, there was about 500 to 600 extras and tanks and practical police cars. I've never worked on a soundstage this big or that broad before and to see the money and the scope of a huge film was you know even though i had a small supporting role it was quite an amazing thing to be a part of mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, it, it's a fun popcorn movie that um as well, oh yeah i mean it's it's a it's it's great fun you know it's sort of you know very much an homage to die hard they don't apologize for it in fact there's some quotes to it and um I was just pleased that I had even, you know, made it into the movie because honestly, with those things, you know, you there's a lot on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and my 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 last question is concerning uh, voice work for video games. Uh, Medal of Honor springs to mind. Uh, how 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 was that experience for you? And and uh, do you ever indulge in the odd video game in your spare time? Uh, I used to. I have no time. I have no spare time anymore, which is not a terrible thing. Um, between my family and career and travel and and all that sort of stuff, I'm a, I'm a busy boy. But um, Medal of Honor was great fun. It was my uh, it was my first video game. I will say this though, and I'm 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 sure you know that there's a SAG strike going on right now for video game voicing. Uh-huh. Um, I couldn't talk for three days from all the yelling, screaming, and dying I was doing. Um, I bet. <laughs> so, so, no, I mean, really, like, take after take after take of full effort, grunting, screaming, charging, yelling, you know, all that military stuff. Um, I was I was rather hoarse, and, and uh, I've only done a couple of them, and um, it was it's interesting to see the debate going on with, uh, with the video game companies right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also a bit weird, you know, video games and, and, and movies. It's actually getting ever ever closer to, to the two merging because we we recently had a Star Wars Rogue One in which they kind of replicated Peter Cushion over the face yes. of another actor. And, uh, you know, they also did 
a brief uh, Carrie Fisher over at Old Face, another actor. So you know, it's yeah, it's pretty trippy. And uh, as a as a fan of Grand Moff Tarkin myself, and sort of watching some old Peter Cushing too, as I prepared for Catch, um, you know, just the great high, even heightened RP with the rolling R's. I was like, well, I don't think it's that much. Um, but you know, like just he's so great as Grand Moff Tarkin. So. It was kind of trippy. I, 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 it took me out a little bit, but there was parts of Rogue One that I was like, yeah, it's interesting. I'm glad they, they attempted it, but it gets into this murky territory right now. Can you recreate dead actors? It's uh, fascinating. Although I saw that they had given them the, the estate of Cushing had given them the uh, go-ahead, so I guess it's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be something that's uh, going to be open for debate over the next few years. You know, is it, is yeah. it morally right to do one and, and, and whatnot? You know, it's a, yeah, it's a weird one. Well, uh, David, it's been great speaking to you. I know that you've actually actually got quite a busy line-up of interviews. So um, um, that, that was my last question. So is there anything you'd like to hey. add? You know, any new roles that you'd like to quickly talk about before we... Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that they booked me for two more of Catch. Um, uh, I've, I've been, I've, from what I've gotten, I've gotten no haters uh, on the role yet, so we'll see. I mean, uh, hopefully there's more to come. Obviously, I'm just on a case-by-case basis, but I've been working so much on Supernatural. And I, for me, personally, I've really been enjoying where the character's going. I hope the audience does as well, so we'll see. Okay, well, uh, thanks a lot for coming on to the show and talking to us. It's been, been great to... You know, get get to know you a little bit, and you know. Hey, man! Absolutely, my pleasure, Ian. Thanks so much. And I'd like to thank David Hayden Jones for taking time out of his busy schedule to actually talk to us. You know, it was really good speaking to him and, and learning about uh, his role of Mr. Ketch in Supernatural. But now it's time for um, our TV talk segment uh, with myself and Risa. How you doing, Risa? Very well, thank you. I'm I'm pretty good too. Um, I mean, I I, I kind of um, I, you know, I, I kind of feel bad that we're starting TV talk off on 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 a sad note. Um, as as we all know, um, in here this month or was it the end of January? It was the end of January, wasn't it? Um, yes. We we lost um, the late, the the great Sir John Hurt, um, who was known for various roles in things such as uh, George Orwell's nineteen eighty four, um, the Naked Civil Servant, and um, perhaps the the role that made him famous in terms of pop culture. Would have been the, the the role that he had on Alien, where you know where the alien burst from his chest, sort of thing. Mm, yes. But um, in in later later years, he he um, played the War Doctor um, for Big Finish. Yes, um, he, they Big Finish has been doing a really good job expanding on uh, classic and modern Doctor Who characters, and they gave him the opportunity, or rather, he gave them the opportunity. <laughs> Um, to to put out some box sets that really really did justice to the character. They they gave him some superb scripts, and we're both waiting on the final box set to drop sometime mm-hmm. this month. And also, he's going to be playing the Invisible Man this month in a release from Big Finish as well. Yes, they um, they have a classics they have a classics range, and they're going to be doing a, a bunch of H.G. Wells's, and they they and they got him fortunately for. 
the Invisible Man. He's going to be playing Griffin uh-huh. as, as as one of his swan songs for Big Finish. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so am I. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to uh, all that H.G. Wells range. Um, there's actually a, an interview about it um, with the uh, producer at Big Finish. Not not Nicholas Briggs. It's a guy that's actually producing the H.G. Wells range of um, of stories, and um, it's really really interesting. Apparently, all those H.G. Wells stories now now that they're they're they're, they're old, you know, older than seventy years, they're out of copyright. So anyone can actually, you know, do do an adaptation of um, of of H.G. Wells or, or you know. Or, or use his stories and expand upon them without the cool. fear of lawsuits and and stuff like that. So, and that's that's why that's why Big Finishers jumped in there because it's um it it's a free property they don't have to pay any licensing fees to to to, to use. Well, yeah, that's that's why I I wish they would expand the classics range more because there are a lot of classics that fall in that category and uh, a lot of really awesome um a lot of really awesome titles. Mm-hmm. For instance, I would I would love. Um, for them to, because they have uh, John Barrowman on the roster now through Torchwood, um, I would love for them to give him the lead role uh, in um, Mark Twain's Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Yeah, that that'd be pretty awesome. I mean, I, I'd also, uh, you know, there's quite a few Mark Twain stories that that I'd love to see see get a, get getting big finish adaptations. You know, such as may, maybe a. Uh, you know um, the the Tom Sawyer stories um, and Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, though they would they would have to have, and I hate to say this. The reason the reason I don't have a problem with Connecticut Yankee is because it's the Arthurian legends, and I don't mind Brits adapting their own material. But the issue is that a lot of times when Brits try to adapt American stuff or Americans try to adapt to Brit uh, British stuff, it doesn't turn out well because our sensibilities are a bit different. Uh-huh. And so, because the because um, the Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court centers on the Arthurian stuff, it doesn't matter as much because that is their own source material. But the Huckleberry Finn stuff might be a little problematic unless they brought in a, an American co-producer or somebody with you know sensibilities from here to kind of mesh with theirs. I'd tell you what they could do, which would be awesome. Robin Hood. Robin Hood would be good, especially if they adapted from the the original medieval fair, um, medieval poetry, because the original Robin Hood myths come from um, an oral tradition, po- a, a poetic oral tradition. Mm-hmm. So that would be that would be neat. That would be good. Yeah, that explains the old Richard Green series: Robin Hood, Robin Hood, riding through the glen. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, with his band of men. <laughs> Oh, or I think I missed that one. Oh, uh, so it, it, it was basically a, I think it was a 1950s or 1960s series that that, that uh, ITC did mm-hmm. of, of Robin okay, Hood. Okay, that, that would explain why. It starred Richard Green, an actor called Richard Green, I think. Um, but they, they, it used to get rerun a lot here in the UK back in the 70s. Mm. <laughs> so everyone knows the song. Everyone who, who, who was raised in the 70s and early, early 80s knows the song almost off by heart. It's just damn stupid. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think we should edit my singing out. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but moving on on from the big finish stuff, um, I mean, it'd be great to do a big finish show at some point and maybe see if we can get somebody else on the show because, as you know, we had Nicholas Briggs on here uh, yes. a couple of years back. So 
I'm thinking of approaching them and, and asking them the guy that's producing the uh, HG Wells series of uh, of audios to, to come on. Yeah, that would be that would be good. That would be excellent. Um, but moving on from um, from from Big Finish, yeah. so I know that we could both talk about it until we're blue in the face. Yes. Um, we we had a, another announcement uh, fairly recently, a couple of weeks back. Um, Peter Capaldi revealed in an interview for the BBC that he was going to be departing Doctor Who after Series Three and after the Christmas special. Not a shock. Um, I just hope that the writing for his final series is better than it's been. Well, to be honest, I thought the writing for his second series was 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 quite a big improvement. I felt that second series was probably the best series that Moffat had done in a while. To be honest, mm, yeah. Um, um, my biggest is the, the writing overall was stronger for the second series. My biggest problem with it was though was, and this is and this is systemic. Um, the need to make the companion such a POV character. Yeah, but it, the, the companion's always been a POV character. It's just that in, in recent years, since the uh, re- reboot, they've made the companion even more of a POV character. I would like them to dial it back just just a smidge. Just if, a smidge. Because if, if, if you look at Sarah Jane Smith and, uh, and Joe Grant, they were classic POV characters. Yeah, but for some reason, it, it didn't overpower the show. Mm. I think another reason it's kind of like overpowered the show a little bit is they've, they've actually given the Doctor um, a sexuality now. As in in the um, in the classic series, he was more of the, uh, the crazy uncle that he wanted to go on adventures with. Um, yeah, there, there yeah. wasn't really. He was he, he was more of a parental sort of figure, yeah. um, an, an authoritarian kind kind of figure, but um, a mad, crazy, wild, eccentric authoritarian kind of figure that you you just wanted to hang out with. Um, yeah, and I just I'm I'm I guess I'm I'm still reacting to the to the fanficization of the series. Mm, well, you know, it, the, the, it was the fans that saved it and. Um, and, and I'm afraid it's probably something we're going to have to live with. Mm, probably. Um, but you know the um, you know the um, the discussion is um, you know we've had Hayley Atwell lobbying herself to be the next Doctor since um, a convention that you know was on last year. Um, she she says she'd like to be the next Doctor Who. She can't see see the problem with being a female Doctor Who, uh, which tells me that she obviously doesn't know the series. Um, they could get away with a female Doctor Who if they cast someone like Tilda Swinton. It needs to be someone. It needs to be you know. It, it needs to be a woman who's on like mid forties. Yeah, I think yeah. in order for them to carry it off right. But that said, the the the, the whole the whole Dos Ex Machina sort of thing again. We had we you know we, it was established in the classic run that you know so like uh, there were female Time Lords. So yeah. why have why have a male time lord morph into a female time lord? Yeah, my my biggest issue is even even if they do a female doctor well, that implies that we could we could theoretically have a male Romana, and I don't want a male Romana. Yeah, what would it be called Roman? <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't work. No. It wouldn't work. Um, unless he unless he was gay. And uh, yeah. they they played played with the uh, the idea of the of the male Romana being sort of like a, a campy sort of like vulnerable sort of like gay guy that sort of like uh, develops teeth mm, as it were maybe maybe um, but that said you'd have to tread very carefully there 
I mean, I think I'd probably be inclined to sort of like if it was if it was to sort of like um, I mean, they 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 actually need um, another gay character in Doctor Who, I think. Yeah, they're not going to bring back Captain Jack, regrettably. Mm. Yeah, um, well, well, Captain Jack um, is is going to be a tough act to act to follow, but they need to they need to sort of like um, you know if the if if they change the uh, sets of the Doctor to a woman, which I think is quite unlikely at the moment. Uh, I don't think we'll be that quite quite that brave. Um I think I think the first, you know, hurdle needs to leap over is uh, is, is casting a black guy as a doctor. Or, yes, they, or, or they an Indian. Need, or an they, Asian. They need they probably won't get an Indian, at least not from Bollywood, because Bollywood has strict conventions against displays of sexuality in their movies. Well that'd be great because that means I could dial back the uh, sexuality of the doctor then. Well it just means that they won't cast an Indian. <laughs> Mm. Um, that's probably what's going to happen more than, you know, dialing it back. Um, I I would like it to, I would like it to, I would like them to dial it back that way because bringing in the Indian sensibility, because the Indian in, in, in Bollywood, they do convey sexuality, but they do it very, 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 very subtly. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing overt about, they're not even allowed kissing scenes in Bollywood movies. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, it, it would it would be um, it would be a refreshing change of pace if they brought in an Indian actor who came in from Bollywood and didn't want to alienate his Bollywood fan base. Yeah, I can, so. I can actually see it now. Uh, Doctor Who goes Bollywood with a uh, with a bunch of Daleks uh, with different coloured and floral shirts and, and all that. You know, it it might actually improve the Dalek storytelling for all you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's all like uh, Dargic singing Bollywood Bangrit sort of tunes. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> it would, actually. And, you know, and, and Cybermen, you know, dressed in Hawaiian brass skirts. <laughs> you know, but that, that's going too far. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of a... Um, it's sad that Capaldi's going, and I'm also sad that he, he wasn't really serviced very well in the, in the first season. You no, know, the, the, first the, first season, season the first season was straight-up fanfic. The first season... At first I was angry that they were going, you know, it's okay to have an older doctor, it's okay to have, you know... It's like, you know, why are we having this debate at all? And then I got angry because, you know, they were saying he wasn't sexy, and I'm like, au contraire. There's a whole contingent who thinks he's sexy, thank you very much, including the woman he's been with for 35 years. So. Yeah. You know what I, you know what really tipped me off about it? It was in how in the uh, first episode he had, they they had to uh, have a phone call. They had to have uh, Matt Smith's 11th Doctor call Clara up to let her know that it's okay and that this Doctor really is him. And, and I thought that was just so, like, stupid. That was straight-up fanfic. It wasn't, it wasn't straight up fanfic, it was just straight up stupid. It was stupid, but yeah. Um, you know, it's all like, um, I mean, you, we didn't see Sarah Jane Smith get a phone call off John Pertwee's doctor. No. You know, what, what's so special about Clara that she needs this phone call? That's the other thing, it's like, all of the modern companions are, are extra special snowflakes with destinies, and mm. they've got to, they've got to quit that trope. Yeah, the, 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 the need to, what they need to do is they need to sort of like, uh, have a companion, go with him for maybe a season, maybe a season and a half, and then just kill her off and not bring her back. Do an Adric. Yeah, we, we've got an Adric coming because they they've 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 um, they've teased deaths and then metaphorically gotten out of them. You know, when these weird ass narrative choices and things, we're we're owed a straight up death. Although, 
Although I think Moffat would agree would would argue that the um, that the pawns represented a straight up death and that they aged death because of the angels. Yeah, but you know, in in a way, I thought that was actually a nice ending for the pawns. That was actually you know deserved and earned. Yeah, um, it, I, I actually liked it very much. It's it's my it's my favorite of the modern companion departures so far, actually. And 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 they, they were good modern companions as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm just sad that Powell is leaving. Um, I can't really envisage who will take on the role next. Um, one 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 person that's actually been talked about um, as a female Doctor over the last couple of years is a is is a TV presenter called Sue Perkins. Okay, I'm not I'm um, not seeing the face. I'm I'm vaguely recognizing the name, but I'm not seeing the face. She she has a very Doctorish style about her. The way she dresses mm. and the way she presents herself. Um, mm. So um, I think she used. To, I think she used to present Bake Off. Mm. Um, okay. But you know, it's. Um, I mean, I, I can't. I can't really see her doing it to be honest, because um, as far as I know, she she's only really done TV presenting. I don't think she's ever really acted. Yeah. Um. But then again, she might have done for all, for all I know. She might have just yeah. sort of like wound up in a career where she where she became quite successful for TV presenting. But um. So I I don't know. I mean I mean out of the male actors is is probably a whole whole mode of uh mode of them that I that I could see playing a doctor. But there's also ones that I couldn't see. Like Eddie Izzard always comes up on on onto the radar when it yeah, comes. Yeah. No. To, no. And I no. can't see him doing it. No. Um, that 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 would just be too. It'd be too obvious. Rowan Atkinson, I think, would match actually because I he I know he played the the, the doctor for laughs in one of those uh, charity skits. But Rowan Atkinson, if they if they turned him dramatic, um, could actually make a very effective doctor. Yeah, but he plays Maygrave now. Oh, that's right. So I don't I don't think that would um, I don't think that would pan out um, with his schedule for that. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, so like uh, James Nesbitt, maybe him. I can see um, Patterson Joseph. Well, yeah, but I think I think they've missed the boat on Patterson Joseph. Yeah, even 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 if Timeless gets cancelled, I don't know if they, they, he'd have time to go back. They could have Idris, they could have Idris Elba as the uh, as the as a badass doctor. That might work. Yeah, that could work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that 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 be that be an interesting choice, um, and be completely out of left field. W- you know what I what I think will happen is they they're probably going to go young again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I don't which I don't mind as long as as long as they're a, a decent actor. I mean, for all his youth, Matt Smith was also a really good actor. He, well, he did a lot of stuff. I don't mind so long as I don't cast Daniel Radcliffe because that guy can't act. Mm. Um, you know, I just saw like, uh, and you know, I, I can't really see them going that way anyway because you know Daniel Radcliffe's got a bit of a film career going on. Yeah, I, you know who would make a, a make a, a good doctor if they hadn't already cast him uh, in another role is um, Mark Williams. Ah, yeah. Who they who they, who they cast as uh, as uh, Rory's dad, Brian, who was adorable, and I was so unhappy that we only got him for like three episodes or whatever it was. They could always uh, Mark, bring him back. Mark, Mark Williams, um, based on based on everything I've seen him in, including Father Brown, could play the dramatic side of comedy and the comedic side of drama that that, that role requires extremely well. Yeah, do you know who I think probably make a good doctor? 
Um, and I don't know if I'd do it because it'd be sort of like a nepotism within the world of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Troughton's grandson, the one that was in Robin Hood, played much. Oh, yes. Yeah, he'd work. He'd work. Yeah. Um, if, if, if you're going with nepotism, um, uh, Sean Pertley would be awesome as well. Yeah, but he's regular on Gotham, so I don't think oh, he'd work. Yeah. And he's actually and go- really good in Gotham. He's really good in Gotham. Yeah. He's, he's one of the saving graces of Gotham, which oh. sucks. That's another story. Um, well, yeah, no, that's, that's, another, that's another one. Um, so moving on from Doctor Who, um, we've had um, another couple of weeks of the uh, DC shows. Um, which should we start off with? Should we start off with Supergirl? Yeah, let's just go in order of airing. It's the easiest mm. way to do it. Okay, well, I um, I don't really remember much from what happened on Supergirl, um, so you're going to have to remind me because I've kind of forgotten about it already. Oh, the last episode we saw is the episode where they had the only the only subplot that mattered in the episode was The Martians, uh-huh. um, where um, uh, McGann was dying and... and um, and uh, Jean was prepared to let her, but eventually does the mind meld to get her to oh, come yeah, back. Oh that, yeah, that's why that's why I've, why I've forgotten about it because the only subplot that mattered was that, and yes. um, all the other bleeding parts were just sort of like uh, soap. soap. Um, you know, so that's um, that's the end of discussion as far as I'm concerned. As far as Supergirl yeah. goes, yeah, let's move on. Um, so move on now to um, Flash. Flash. Now, last last week's Flash, was it the one where um, Iris goes off with Kid Flash? And, and, yes, um, the one where she goes off with Kid Flash and it's eventually decided at the end of the episode that the Kid Flash is the one who's going to try to save her because Barry's just not fast enough. Yep. Yeah, that was the one. Kind of saw that coming though, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I actually like it. It's a, very, it's a very effective way to integrate Wally into this version of the narrative and it's also a very effective way to acknowledge... Even if they don't actually kill Barry off, um, it's a very effective way to acknowledge the fact that Kid Kid Flash in the canon does become Barry's legitimate successor. Yeah, and also in the canon, he's also faster than Barry. Yes, yes. So it's um, it's, it's true to it's true to the uh, the canon of comics uh, that way as well. Um, I really enjoyed the. Um, it was also the one where. Where where Vibe got to take on take on um, Gypsy, wasn't it? Oh yes, Vibe. Oh yes, that rocked. And they even had a they even had a micro Supergirl crossover with Miss Tessmacher. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it was kind of awesome as they were vibing through the various dimensions. I hope that, that we see Gypsy again because Jessica Camacho, who plays her, rocked in the part. She did uh, really well. She she did as well. I, I really loved that moment uh, where you know that. You know she she's lost the fight and um, and and they're, they're sort of like parting uh, they're parting company with each other and uh, Cisco leans in for a kiss and she she's about to reciprocate and then she sort of gives vibes out. I thought yes. that was beautifully done. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, talk, talk about moving yeah, a guy wanting more. <laughs> yeah, the the, the, sh- the shit for those of us who don't like soaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that was very effective. Um, I also like the fact that Tom Felton's Julian seems more organically um, included in the narratives, integrated into the narratives now. Yeah, and he's still a dick. <laughs> and he's still a dick. And they did it. And they did it. They did it with him still being a dick. Yeah, um, but I, I think he's kind of taking over for Tom Kavanagh's uh, role in to a certain extent because uh, Harrison Wells was a dick. 
Yeah, but not quite as much of a dick. I'm actually okay with that because they Kavanaugh is obviously relishing playing it with a slightly different tack. So he he is. Um, I mean, I I kind of really enjoyed that episode of Flash, which is you know I'm surprised I've actually remembered so much of it. Because yes. I've, I've actually done so much writing and God only knows what in the last week. It's all like it's kind of ha- it's kind of hard to retain all this stuff in my head. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, um, but my, I've got my um, capable assistant next door to me right here, Pepper. She's sort of like reminding me. Oh, yeah. um, hello, Pepper. Yes. Yeah, she, she's kind of like pretending to ignore you now. She's half asleep. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, so are we and we move on to, to Arrow. Arrow. Um, this is the episode. This, this is the episode with the new canary. Yeah, and it was a really good episode. It's probably yes. the best episode of the uh, of the season. Of the, of the current season. Yeah. Um, and I I kind of really enjoyed the uh, the, the kind of like um, the way they used the flashback uh, sequence in this episode. And the way that flashback sequence serviced the actual plot of the episode, it doesn't seem to have been servicing the plot of the prior of the prior episodes. No, so this think, one comes. And out. it also helps that, that that episode introduced Talia. And I have to say, let's just talk about Talia for a minute because there's massive structural irony in waiting to introduce Talia after her sister has disbanded the League of Assassins. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's that's a major plot development, so I'm really hoping the sisters actually meet on screen to discuss that major plot development. Yes. That's, that's, that's an existential plot development relative to the two of them. And I actually said that in my review, that that would be yeah. good to see both Tawia and Nissa um, together. Yes, because uh, they've, got some, they've got some stuff to talk about. They, they, indeed they have, um, you know, such as the death of their father, uh, yes. Race, and, uh, and, and all, all of that stuff. Um, yeah. I, I kind of really enjoyed the episode with the new canary. I, I enjoyed how 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 they they the uh, the flashbacks and the present you know played out uh, side by side, and um, and even you know um, Renee got something you know got quite to quite do, a meaty role. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, in in it, and um, and Curtis. I'm kind of glad that that sort of like wheeled him back as as a yeah. geek. Because he wasn't working as a hero. No, and I, I don't know. I don't know if 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 that arc was them just because they don't know what to do with him, or whether they actually thought they were doing some half-assed teen allegory, or what it was they thought they were accomplishing with that arc. But it, they didn't quite get there. They, they they didn't. But now they've got a new canary in in the game. Um, if she if she comes back, it's on like it. It kind of uh, it kind of brings the team full circle again, especially now that I've got Diggle out of de- out of jail as well. Yeah, although it doesn't it doesn't excuse the fact that they botched writing Canary properly in the first place. I mean, the fact <clears throat> the fact that they brought in uh, Katie Cassidy as Black Siren and then brought in this new Canary, Dinah Drake, is is just proof that they botched original Canary um, original Canary. Uh, Laurel Lance in the first place. Uh-huh. If they if they had written her properly in the first place, none of this would have been necessary. Yeah, because they they wrote Laurel Lance as a kind of uh, a pathetic drunk. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know that didn't work for me. And 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 Laurel Lance didn't become interesting until she became Black Siren. Yeah, <laughs> and that is that is truly truly sad commentary because it's it's very obvious that Katie Cassidy worked her ass off. Mm-hmm. She really really tried. And the fact that the writers couldn't 
get from A to B, even though she was actually trying and everyone around her was actually trying, is just really, really sad. Mm. And, and I hate to say it, but I really hated her arc in the second season. Oh, it was awful. You it know, was awful. Her, her arc it, in the second season was like the worst. It, it's because it was straight up soap. And that's the problem. Laurel Lance's arc until third season was straight up soap. Mm-hmm. And they, they literally didn't know what to do with her. And um, and and like like I said, she did the best she could. The other actors did the best they could. But it wasn't until it wasn't until Black Siren, because Black Siren has only been on the screen for like a couple of episodes between two different shows, and and she's had a better arc with those two episodes than Katie Cassidy had with Laurel Lance in the entire four years that she was a regular prior to that. Mm. It, it is it is sad, and um, you know it's um, it's, it's kind of like. Uh, I guess they kind of learned from that, though, because if you look at the female characters in in the Flash and and, and Legends of Tomorrow, they're at, they've, they've actually got stronger arcs than than, than she had in in Arrow. Yeah, in, I, mean, in, in, I mean, I mean, even even Kendra Saunders, who had the weakest the weakest arc in in Legends season one, still had a stronger arc than Laurel. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, they they learned some hard lessons. I'm just sorry they couldn't learn them for her. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I guess she was kind of like the guinea pig. Yeah. Um, well, moving on, um, now... Um, Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow, we should have done... Legions, Legions, Legion of Doom. Oh, absolutely. Legion. Oh, God. <laughs> we, could, we could devote an entire episode just to this one episode of that one show. I wish to God we could actually get a spin-off. They, they, they were awesome. The Legion of Doom actually outshone the main cast. Well, they they were meant to in this one particular episode because it was meant to be shown from their perspective. And you know, you know, the scary part is that Wentworth Miller isn't even officially integrated into the Legion of Doom yet. They're still waiting on him. Yeah, and I'm wondering how you know. Oh, obviously, it's obviously going to bring him back. It's basically going to be earbud fawn time traveling. Yeah, yeah. And they'll probably pluck him from the moment before he died, or 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 um, a couple of months before he joined um, Legends, the, the Legends. Yes. Yeah, although I have to say, um, I'm really loving what this means for Rip Hunter, Arthur Garfield, Arthur Garfield's Rip Hunter, because he's obviously going to go through several iterations before they get his brain unscrambled. Oh yeah, and the, and the cliffhanger last week where he's about where he's about to assassinate was it was he about to assassinate George Washington? Or yeah, he was about to. Yeah, yeah. He, in fact, in fact, the bullet goes off. So mm-hmm. yeah, they've got a real problem. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, it's like time. It's gonna be timeless on acid. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's gonna be uh, time. Time operations gone, gone, gone nuts. So yeah. that that is now all the DC shows. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna quickly move on to uh, a show that I know that you didn't watch, but I watched the uh, pilot episode of Twenty Four Legacy uh, earlier today, mm. and I thought it was all right. Um, you know, sort of like, um, obviously the new guys know Jack Bauer, mm-hmm. which is probably a good thing. It's probably the kick up the ass 24 needed, you know, as, as a concept show, because uh, in, in my, my books, you know, Jack Bauer had uh, lived a few days too many, really. He had, and that's one of the reasons why I just, I'm, I, as well written and well acted as this iteration certainly probably is, given the cast. I'm just, I just don't have the energy for the tropes anymore. Mm. You know, it's the same tropes um, as, as, as always. I mean, um, the uh, Miranda Otto had, had, a, had an excellent moment in the uh, pilot episode where she um, actually tasers the head of CTU. 
Oh dear. Um, because she's kind of like, um, she's the former head of TTU, um, by the way, but she's mm. sort of like stepped down to her, to assist her husband, um, who's running for president. So she's kind of like um, put her name down as future first lady, but it looks like her days as a future first lady are probably done for. Oh, uh, after having uh, tasered the, the head of CTU, but it's kind of like uh, it was a good scene in which she was running up with the new with the new Jack Bauer character. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's called Eric Carter or some something or other. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and and basically she's she's running this off immediately, and uh, the guy catches her. But it was a nice little throwback to the original series. Remember Edgar Styles from C- season three and four. Yes. Well, basically, um, his cousin is now an analyst at CTU. Oh, cool. And um, she's pretty hot. <laughs> as far as far as a as far as a an analyst go. Um, but it's going to be um, it's it's going to be interesting to see 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 how that little little plot develops because she's kind of like started off as a wet behind the ears analyst and she's already got under the skin. Of the uh, lead analyst there, um, who's taken an instant dislike to her, and um, much like Chloe started out in 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 season three, I think it was. She's she's a bit of a busybody. She's out to prove herself. So I've got a feeling that she could be the new Chloe Chloe O'Brien. Um, okay. It, it seems to be seems to be following that sort of like plot thread sort of thing. Although none of none of none of CTU have actually met the new guy yet. Okay. Uh, I should imagine it's probably a matter of time. Um, that might happen in tonight's episode, or it might happen in next week's episode. But I, I, I kind, I thought it was pretty good. It was a, you know, it was, it was, it was good fun. The the characters were, for the most part, quite likable, but not too likable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping it, I'm hoping it does well. It, it probably will. It probably will. Um. And another thing that we've been watching is Timeless, um, which was off for a break this last week, wasn't it? Ah, uh, no. Oh shit! Yeah, I've seen it. Um, it was a, it was that daft one in which um, Wyatt tries to uh, save his wife. Yeah, that one. And um, yeah, I, I felt it was a pretty weak one, that to be honest. Yeah, it was. Um, although the eighties references to uh, the A Team and uh, Manimal were fun. <laughs> yeah, that, that those were fun. Those were good. Um, but yeah, that I think that's about it. Unless you want to uh, talk Agents Shield. Ah, uh, let's see. Where were we? Oh yes, finally, um, the life model decoy May has been outed, uh-huh. and uh, and so we're going to see the fallout from that this coming week. Yeah, yeah. and the uh, Coulson's going to have a William Shatner line where he says, "I can't believe I kissed you." <laughs> Yeah, they're they're they decided that uh, throwing in the potential shit between the two is okay. I mean, it sort of works, but yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 um I don't know. This second half of the season, it seems to have lost something uh, without Ghost Rider, but they, they, they can't bring him back now because they've kind of like written him out of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Yeah. Problem is the the ratings for this season have not been brilliant, and it's a bubble show. Mm. So. Um, well, they never have I, been brilliant, to be honest. Yeah, I 
I frankly, at this point, don't care one way or the other whether it comes back or not. If it does, I'll watch it. If it doesn't, I won't lose sleep. Mm, I, um, I, I, I don't. I, I, I probably feel the same way because, like, um, let's face it, the you know, this, if you've got Netflix, there's plenty of other Marvel stuff coming out on that. Um, we've also got uh, Legion coming out. Yeah, that comes out this this Wednesday. I'll be checking it out. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it doesn't suck. I'm I'm hoping it doesn't suck either. Um, I've seen I've seen mixed reviews. I've seen I've seen this is awesome, and I've seen oh my god, what did I just watch? So mm-hmm. um, it's going to be interesting to see you know what I actually think of it. Uh-huh. Okay, well I think that's uh, about wraps things up um, for this week, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I think we're done. Here at SFP now, I think we're pretty sure we um, got our priorities straight. like to uh, again thank Reese for joining us. I'd also like to thank David Hayden Jones again for his time um, for the interview earlier in the show. And we'll be back at you again real soon with more great features and interviews. So uh, keep your ears open and don't forget to check out uh, our other shows as well as uh, Genre Tainment and hopefully soon joining the uh, podcast um, as a as a regular thing will be um, episodes of um, of Super Geeked Up uh, done by uh, Jeff Burns. Um, it basically be an audio rips of the episodes that that, that he does on uh, on YouTube. Uh, we will be releasing them here um, on SciFiPulseRadio.com. Um, well, that's about it for now. We'll see you later. Bye.